Hi, I'm Lisa Morton, founder of Roland Dransfield PR. Welcome to We Built This City. With this podcast, I wanted to shine a light on the people who have put the heart into modern Manchester. You can build a city with bricks and mortar, but it's the people that make Manchester great. People like my guest, Gemma Atkinson. I walked in my room, put my suitcase on the bed and it was Oprah Winfrey's book. So I picked it up and I literally just opened middle pages, whatever. And all it said on the page was, if you have a chance to sit it out or dance, I hope you choose to dance. Gemma's well known for starring in some of our biggest TV shows, including Hollyoaks, Casualty and Emmerdale. She was an early contestant on I'm a Celebrity and also got to the final of Strictly Come Dancing in 2017, where she met her now fiancé, Gorka Marquez. She has a very public profile as an actress and a radio DJ, but is completely down to earth, warm, funny and doesn't take herself seriously. I met Gemma a few years back when we started training at the same gym in Manchester and it's been great to see her journey personally and professionally since then. But I wanted to know what are the values that drive Gemma in her life away from the cameras and the microphones? What are the relationships that help her with her purpose? So we put the dumbbells down and had a chat about it, one mank to another. We did do this remotely, so excuse the few crackles at the start, it does get better, bear with us. Gemma, thanks for joining me on We Built This City. Thanks for having me. I know how much you've got on at the moment, always, but particularly at the moment. So, and when I was looking at what you actually achieved today, I felt that even a secure person would feel like an underachiever. So <laughs> talk about some of that today. You're a born and bred Greater Mancunian, born yes. in Bury, And that's actually where I first met you in 2010. We were launching The Rock shopping centre yes air guitaring on stage exactly that i know it was a guinness yes. record attempt wasn't it so yeah um, and i've just found the book recently we did a book at the time that you were in and you've not changed a bit i have to say so in your bio for your book the ultimate body plan you write i'm an actress radio dj model dog fanatic pajama wearing supermarket goer and proud mancunian who can often be found sweating it out in the gym and that's where I met you for a second time when uh, yes. Ultimate Performance Fitness opened in Manchester, which was life-changing for me, certainly. And obviously, you've done a lot of work with those guys, so we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about pyjama wearing as well. We'll come on to that. But let's start <laughs> with why you're such a proud Mancunian. What does this place represent for you? It's just home for me. I think, you know, my whole family are all from Manchester. All You know, I've got family all around. And my jobs have always taken me... Hollyoaks was filmed in Liverpool, Casualty was in Cardiff, Emmerdale was in Leeds, Strictly was down in London. So for me, I always missed home because I was never there for work. And when Hollyoaks finished, I mean, I did used to commute home all the time, but when Hollyoaks finished, loads of people said to me, well, you need to move to London now, though. If you want a career, you need to be in London because it's, you know, all the showbiz and razzmatazz and moving away was the last thing I wanted to do. I was like, absolutely not. I'm going to work from home. I can get the train. I can I'll do whatever it takes just to be at home. And I still, to this day, live in around Manchester. I'm 20 minutes away from the city centre. And I wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest. It just, everything about Manchester makes me so proud. The culture, the people, the, the buildings, just everything we've got, the clubs. I just absolutely love it. It's fab. Mm. 
And you strike me as being a very driven person. So um, until recently, you're guessing up with a crack of dawn to do breakfast show um, at Hits. But what gets you out of bed in the morning? At present, it's uh, my daughter, Mia. <laughs> she, uh, she gets me up. But even before then, I was always... I'm one of these people who I like to get up early and get cracking on with the day. I love it being kind of like 10 o'clock in the morning. And I think I've had my workout, I've had my breakfast, I've replied to my emails and I've had a good coffee. And then it's like, right, I can start other stuff now. Even at the weekend, I struggle to lie in. I struggle to do nothing. And again, I think that's part of being from Manchester. My family, they've always been grafters, my nana, my granddad, everyone. It was a case of nothing's going to come to you. If you want summer, you're going to have to do a bit of graft to get it. And that's the way I've always been. And don't get me wrong, I love an afternoon like yesterday afternoon. Um, we'd done everything. So we put the doobie on the couch with Mia, watched telly with the dogs, and it was fab. But then this morning I got up raring to go again. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so true. I got up at, on Saturday at six o'clock. I was wide awake and my daughter went back down to university. So we got on the train and I actually got went back to bed for two hours. I've never done that ever. No. But I really, I just had a nap, another <laughs> Sometimes nap. you need it, don't you? Sometimes <laughs> yes. it's needed. Definitely. I was ashamed of myself, but it definitely helped. So people say that Manchester is big enough to provide big opportunities, but it's small enough to forge really strong relationships within a community. So although you've done a lot of your work outside of Manchester so far professionally do you still feel that you've built up that community here even obviously with your family and and with friends in the region? Yeah defo I mean I've got five girlfriends uh, who we all went to school with who I'm, I'm godmother to two of the kids I've been bridesmaid for two of them we're all best friends they're all in Manchester obviously I work now in the heart of Manchester so it's kind of like whenever I come back I always felt like it was walking into my own front door mm. I just felt homely the street corners that you remember the names of, you know, the kind of like your Tibb Street, your Atkinson Street, all that stuff. You can think, oh, yeah, this is it. Even when you pull into Piccadilly, just pulling into Piccadilly Station for me, you can see the Hilton building and you just kind of feel, right, I'm where I need to be. And I think that's what's good about Manchester. It's so welcoming to everybody. Everyone's welcome in Manchester. But if you're born and bred there, you, you kind of... You're part of the furniture, so to speak. So it's nice to be stuck there. I think that's so true about Manchester, that if you really put effort into the relationships that you make, they're there forever, aren't they? I mean, yes. you know, I've got friendships that go back, you know, 30 years and business friendships as well. Just talking about seeing the Hilton, it's opposite your, I think you've tweeted a picture of just outside the Hits Radio. The and station, the, and the, yeah. Yeah. We're working with the with Hilton at the moment. We're doing a countdown every night. So we're doing a light show. So their team is running around the, the floors having to turn the lights off to make eight, nine. So oh, we're wow. going to count down to the opening. Yeah, so. Oh, that's yeah. good. I'll have so to look out for that. It's really beautiful, actually. It looks great. Clearly on social as well, as you say, you're very family orientated. How important has your family been on who you are as a person today? I think everything. Um I think I've only realised being a parent myself now that the responsibility is so much more than just helping you when you cry and wiping your bum. It's so much more. It's just drilling into a little human, the morals and the work ethic and the kindness and your attitude um, and how to like pick yourself up when things go wrong. Because ultimately they will, it's life. Things will go wrong. And I think we've always kind of been a close knit family in that we're not afraid to share anything. There's no, there's no embarrassment. There's no shame. You know, it's like an open book with everyone. And I feel extremely lucky that I can 
tell my mum something that our kid would already know or, you know, my nana knew. There's no secrets in our family, especially not with my mum anyway. As soon as I speak to Nina, my sister, my mum's on the phone. Have you spoke to Nina? She said, I was like, yeah, it's fine. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it's it's really important. It's the the roots to you, your family. And you are going in different directions, but ultimately you're all connected. Mm. And I just think it's massively important to remember that because you do need your family a lot. And for some people, family, it's not blood relatives, it's friendships that have turned into families over the year, which is great. And I think having that support system for me has kept me in a place of just knowing I'm extremely lucky to do what I do. But there's also, there's never been any airs and graces. Like when I came back home from the Strictly final, it was, I went round to my mum's for tea and it was a good old fashioned hot pot for tea, you know, a bit of, <laughs> bit of crusty bread on the side. And it was just, oh, well done. That was a good show that, wasn't it? Yeah. And then just back to normal. So there's never been any airs or graces, which I love. <laughs> and do you feel that the relationship that you've got with your mum will kind of impact on that one that you have with Mia? Does that, yeah. do you feel that's going to go in the same way? I hope so. I hope if I'm half the mum to Mia that my mum's been to me, then I'll, mm. I know I'm doing okay. Mm. Um, because I do feel like she's, She's like my best friend, but with boundaries, we always say. Like, still to this day, the tone of her voice can scare the hell out of me. <laughs> I know it's, it's either a Gemma or a Gemma, and I think, oh, no. And I, I think to still have that fear drilled in me at this age, 37, well, 36, sorry, I'm giving myself a year ahead. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to have, I think. Yeah. We've always talked in our family about roots and wings, so that your family's there to give you your yeah. roots, but they've also, they need to give you the wings to go and, do what you Find need to yourself. do will be there yeah. for you exactly I love that about what do you say best mate yeah best yeah. mate with boundaries best that's what boundaries. she always says she is like I can go to her for anything but if I step out of line she's gonna make sure she puts me firmly back on it which mm. I hope to be the same with Mia because ultimately you know it makes it's made me a better person I think if she'd have let me run rings around her mm. as a kid it, it wouldn't have done me any favors in the long run because you can't mm. do that in life Totally agree. I think that's so true. And that's the same with my kids. It is that boundary, you know, you're friends, but you've got to be a parent first, haven't you? I think and that's yeah. right through the whole of life. So you recently got engaged to Gorka, who's just very kindly sorted all out the, the tech out <laughs> the on there. Tech. So we just said hello <laughs> to him. Um, and I'm interested to see how much of a man you've made him. <laughs> Do you know what he always says? He's an honorary Mancunian now and he loves Manchester. And it's it's like you say, the other day, he went for a coffee in town and I said, who, who are you meeting in town? Like, who do you know in town? And it was three guys who we'd been training with in lockdown on, on zoom, his hairdresser. And it's like you say about friendships. I mean, he's from Spain. He's got so many mates in Manchester now. And Anthony Quinlan, who used to, used to be in Hollyoaks with me, Quinny, me and him have always been mates growing up. He's now like one of Gorka's closest yeah. mates. They've kind of took him under his wing and it's that whole thing of just welcoming people. Mm. When I did Strictly, we used to have, I danced with Ali Ash. Mm. So we used to rehearse in Manchester. It was at the Virgin Active at Media City. That was our rehearsal space. And since then, every year, Ali Ash has been looking at places to buy in Manchester because oh, he, really? he just fell in love with the city. Him and his wife, Jeanette, were like, there's no city like it. Mm. So I think everyone I know who's been in the city has fallen in love with it and ultimately wants to move here 
That is true. And it's the 10 minute city, isn't it? So you're literally 10 minutes walk from anywhere that you want yeah. to be in Manchester. And it's actually changed so much, even in a year, there's been so much more development and mm. the whole energy now, the city with pavement cafes and it just, the vibe's just incredible. You're clearly like a straight talking man, Cune, and you're very open, you're very warm. And despite being a household name, you definitely don't have an overinflated ego or take yourself too seriously. So what keeps you anchored in who you are? We know there are lots of other people who have the fame and the early celebrities gone to the head. Why do you think you can keep kind of so true to your values that you've had growing up? I just think because it's just a job at the end of the day. I mean, I'm, I'm so, so lucky and so fortunate and I love doing what I do. But all around me, there's people doing the same thing just in different areas I just appreciate everyone's just trying to do the best they can really so there's always going to be people who are seemingly doing better and always people who are seemingly not doing as good keeping the same friends I've got loads of mates loads of mates but I've got five friends and it's the friends who we went to primary school with high school with and it's the girls who I'll be going slosh with when we're allowed back out again (laughs) so it's just kind of having your close-knit circle and just realizing, I mean, I, I've been on shoots where people are like, oh, darling, you look incredible, and it's this, and it. and you think, oh, just let's just do the job and I'll go home. It doesn't need to be <laughs> like, we don't need to be all fake and phony with each other because we're all just there on a day's work trying to get the best shot or make the best film. Or, and I think coming back to the radio, I think I've found my niche in radio because I've always said it's the first job where I don't have to do my hair and makeup. I can just rock in in my trackies. No one sees you. It's all on air. Um, I've obviously been lucky enough to, I work with Tulin, Mike Tulin in the morning, who everyone will remember from Key 103. That was Manchester's signature station. And now Wes, Wes is from Salford. So they're just normal lads who yeah. they just kind of come in, do it. And all they're doing is clock watching, saying, I can't wait to get on, footies on, or this is on. You know, it's kind of, I think it's just the people you surround yourself with, not letting them, you know, get in your head too much. And did you feel that over your career, you've had anybody within the community that's been really stand out for you in terms of giving you a helping hand and helping you on your journey? There's been a lot of people who've just told um, that a lot of people say, just remember where it all started, you know, remember where you come from. And my, so my agent, for an example, um, when I joined her agency, she was part of a big agency in London, Becca, and she just wasn't happy there. She thought I'd done all I can do. And she said, I'm thinking of branching out on my own, but I haven't got any clients. So I completely understand if you want to stay with the big guys in London, but I really believe I can help you. And I was like, do you know what? I've only been here six months. I'm as new to it as you are. Let's do it. So she started up on her own. And now like almost 20 years later, she's got a whole heap of clients of herself. I'm myself and Kate Lawler are two of her longstanding clients. We've been with her from the start. And we always say if, if she hadn't took that step and done that, I wouldn't have had the career I've had. She always says to me, but if you want to come with me as my client, I wouldn't have been able to get other clients because I had no one to say, oh, I don't represent anyone at the minute. She said where I could go in and say, well, I represent Gemma Atkinson and she's currently doing this. So it kind of molded together and we've just carried on going through it and she's doing so well now. So she's another one. Whenever we speak to each other, we laugh about how things have turned out. But they always go back to when we had to have our meetings in Paddington Station because she didn't have an office. 
you know, it's that kind of, it's that kind of realism of just remembering where it started and never taking anything for granted. Yeah. You know, obviously I've shared the values of Roland Transpill with you. Was there anything in there that really stuck out for you or felt that you could really resonate with? I liked the no dickheads. <laughs> yeah, I like that. favourite. <laughs> yeah, because I always say that. We ain't got time for a dickhead. Uh, and the keeping it real as well. Mm. I just think, and it's not just keeping it real as in all the good stuff. It's the bad stuff as well. Mm. Being able to express and talk and communicate when the shit hits the fan, so mm. to speak. Because I think so many people find a shame in that. They want it to always be positive and always be seen as the outgoing one and Life's not like that. There's always going to be a time in life where you'll go through a grieving process or a process where you don't know what to do with yourself. And part of keeping it real is sitting back and saying, right, I might need a bit of help at the minute and not being afraid to ask for it. Yeah, then I think it's been probably over the last 12 months that's been very difficult for a lot of people because Mm. it was very easy to be isolated and not have those difficult conversations. And there is shame attached to feeling not 100%, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and I think we're programmed to try and avoid pain when sometimes the pain is, is sometimes what makes us and what helps us grow if yeah, we get the support. I remember years ago I was in a relationship I shouldn't have been in. It was the wrong one and everyone was saying, oh my God, you're so good together and this. And I was thinking, I'm really not very happy. And I actually, there's, I speak about it in my book, like openly about I wasn't feeling great. Mm. And it was only when everyone left, everyone went home, my mum came round again, knocked on my door and I opened the door and she did the classic mum tilt, the head tilt. <laughs> yeah. And um, and literally all she said was, you know, you don't have to go through with this if you don't want to. And that was it. I burst into tears and I realised I'd been keeping it in for so long and I, I almost just like physically collapsed onto her, burst into tears crying. She went, come on, let's put the kettle on, let's have a chat. Um. And we had a cup of tea and I just said, I don't, I just can't go through with it. She said, well, it's fine. No worries. Tell them, break off your relationship. We'll sort it this end. Mm. And it was such a relief. Like I felt like a weight had been lifting off my shoulders. And now with Mia, I think I'd hate for her to think she could never be open with stuff. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd much rather her tell me so we can try and help because speaking to my mum, well, I, I say speaking to her, it was my mum who came to me because as a mother, she knew, she said, I could tell, you know, a mum knows when the kid's not hundred percent. Um, but it was just that literally one sentence. You don't have to go through with this if you don't want to, that's all I needed. And it was, it was brilliant. It was like a new chapter from then on. It was like shedding a skin yeah. and I had to text everyone saying, Oh, I'm, I'm single again. And the girls were like, brilliant. Let's go out. Let's plan a night out. Finally. And I was like, all oh, right. Okay. It's not a bad thing after all. <laughs> And that's brave doing that because it's easier just to go along with what everyone else expects you to do. Yeah, definitely. Especially like, because I was engaged, but I've been bought engagement gifts and I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do with these gifts now? It's so embarrassing. And I'm almost like embarrassing, Gemma, is being with someone because of other people's opinions. Mm. She said, that's embarrassing. Mm. She said, there's no embarrassment in standing up for what you believe in and doing what's right for both of you. Mm. And there's no embarrassment in being happy. She said, so you forget all about that, you know, completely. And it, it did, it made sense when, when she said it, you know, there's the, the only shame and embarrassment is not doing what's right for you, trying to please other people, which ultimately we all do, but you need to look after yourself first and foremost. Just a bit. It's taken me quite a long time to, <laughs> to realise yeah. that. And it was different because when I was growing up as well, there was a real 
and it was meant in the right way. But we were told to kind of go and stand at the back of the queue, make sure everyone's looked after first of all. Mm. We had people coming around for dinner. It was like a family hold back because there wasn't enough food <laughs> to yeah. feed everybody. Yeah. So you're doing that and making sure everyone's looked after. But I have realized that unless you look after yourself, you can't look after other people for a start. And if you don't have that relationship with yourself and love yourself, then you are going to end up getting pulled into directions that you shouldn't be going into because you've not well you've not accepted what you stand for it's kind of like in trying to do so much it's like everyone's at peace but you're Mm. in pieces (laughs) trying to trying to keep everyone at peace it's physically not possible and it's like it's with everything with it's with relationships it's even with work I mean I I was doing a job the other day and I had to book a day off the radio and my boss said, would you not just want to do both? And I said, well, I could, but mm. one's down south. That means we're coming up and I'd be rushing and I, I'd be giving 50% in both then. I said, because all morning I'd be clock watching to get back home for the radio. Mm. And during the radio, I'd be thinking, I need to eat. I'm starving. Can I order this? Can I, I'll just give 100% to the other one and come back in the day after. It's that whole thing of just not pushing yourself to this stage of stress. And my dad passed. I was 17 when my dad passed away. And it was a heart attack. And the doctor said it was stress. Mm-hmm. He didn't smoke, didn't drink, but he managed the company. He was always working. Like when, every time I saw him, he had his briefcase or his shirt and tie on. And he always looked just tired and stressed because of trying to be everywhere at once and you physically can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to, even if it's just taking a bath, you know, shutting the door on a Sunday afternoon, thinking I'm having a bath, don't bother me kids. Or, and obviously it's tough for people because, Everyone has different circumstances and situations. But for me, I just love like putting a nice face cream on and reading a book in the evening. That is my kind of switch off time. It's not a case of, oh, you have to go and have a spa day or a week away from the kids or whatever. <laughs> but it's just knowing when to say no, which I yeah. think a lot of us, especially parents, a lot of people, they just can't do it. Those small rituals, isn't it? I think that really keep your head on. Um mm-hmm. There's a quote that you used on Instagram a few weeks back and it really stuck out for me. And it's something that I'm very conscious about working on, actually. So it says, your wound is probably not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Yes. So can you explain what's behind that and what you've learned about wounds and healing? It's kind of like I had loads of people messaging me, you know, saying, oh, they've been cheated on or they've been trying desperately for children and it hasn't worked or, you know, something terrible's happened to a family member. And and it just kind of got me thinking about my own experiences. And I've had relationships where the guy's been horrible to me and I've constantly been thinking, what, what have I done wrong? What can I do better? How can I change? And, and I realized that when I got older, none of that was my fault. It was him and his ego and his issues that he's still got now. And you think, oh, I, I was doing nothing wrong. But it was still my responsibility to get over that relationship in order to be happy again and meet someone else. Mm. It wasn't a case of someone else had to come and sweep me off my feet because that's just going to be, you know, a rebound. And it wasn't like that person could come back and apologize because they wouldn't because they they just weren't, they were an asshole. So it was still on me to build my own self-esteem up again and to give myself the belief that I was, did everything right. Everything I did was nothing you know nothing is my fault in that situation and it was the same with with loads of other stuff and 
so many people came back to me and in, in, in the comments on that and said, oh my God, it, it makes so much sense. This lady commented that she, she'd been in a situation um, where it was quite violent and this and that, and it was awful what she wrote. And she said, I beat myself up for years thinking that I was des- I deserved it mm-hmm. and it was me. She says, and it wasn't my fault. She said, but it is up to me now to get over it because that person's long gone. It's up to me now to, to work on myself. And she said she had done and she'd never felt as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, it is your own responsibility to do that. And it sounds really harsh and cutthroat. But for me, that's why it stuck out because no one else is going to do it for you. You can talk to people and obviously get help. But ultimately, it's just me, myself and I, when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed at night, that you're dealing with in your own head. Mm-hmm. It's your conversations. Mm-hmm. So you've got to tell yourself that you're capable and that you're worthy and the belief that you will get through stuff. That's one of the reasons why I set values for the business, but then those values really for me, I suppose. And it's yeah. setting those values because I thought if I don't know what my own values are, how do I know when they're being undermined? And yeah. for me, that was a healing process from personal relationships, but also friendships and working relationships when you start to and a great phrase that I do use is that's their shit not your shit yeah definitely I mean you've got to kind of know your worth and know what you will and won't accept Mm. because until you know that you're going to the next one probably repeating the same pattern Mm. it must be tough for you running a business because you've got the whole business is business and you have friends in business Mm. but going back to my my agent Becca she always says you know she's fired some people who were part of the team because they weren't pulling the weight and they weren't doing you know they were bringing her down and it's just toxic and she's she'll call and say I've had to let them go and in my head I think oh that must have been really difficult because you were kind of mates as well and she says well yeah we became mates through work but it's my business, it's my brand, it's, it's my income. And if this starts to falter because of the toxicity of one person, mm. when I could have just said, I'm really sorry, this isn't for you, you'll find something else. She said, oh, that suffers because of me not having the balls to say to someone and be honest. And it must yeah. be hard to like mix business and, and pleasure. Like no, it's the whole kind of mum boundaries thing. You know, when you're pushing it, and you have to have that with all your employees, I imagine, mm. is as well. But at the same time, you want to be a boss that they can feel comfortable with. Exactly. So it must be so difficult. Yeah, but you're right. It's the same as it's the same as best mates with boundaries, though. It's the same with your family and your friends, isn't it? We all need mm. those boundaries, so we know what our non-negotiables are. And I think that is freedom, and that's when you can make sure no dickheads come back into your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about health and well-being then. So you're a massive advocate and very vocal about its life-changing powers. It's great that having this conversation, I suppose, as the gyms are opening. I know you've been training at home, but there's nothing better than going into a gym and see oh, community. And <laughs> yeah, it's just the atmosphere. And you, yeah. and you know everyone's there for the same reason. Exactly. That's the thing. No matter what shape, size or level someone's at, ultimately, you're all, you're all there to better yourselves, which I love because it's kind of, you could all look completely physically different, but the drive is there in all of you and I think it's great and you're surrounded by such positive people as well yeah. who are pushing themselves and trying to do the best every single day they show up yeah and it's like I remember we've when I've been in the gym and you've been in there we've looked at each other during the sessions and I rolled thinking what the <laughs> are we doing oh my god but then in the changing rooms after 
said that was amazing feel yeah. so much better and then skipped along to the next meeting because you've got that adrenaline and you've got that burst of energy and well, I, th- I think that's what everyone's missed totally although it's difficult to get up the steps sometimes after oh, a, a, yeah. a, a session with like a leg day with Steve so <laughs> Gemma and I share the same train and he's called evil Steve but he is yeah. evil but he's actually a gentle giant he's who so gets sworn out a lot yes and he you know I've never heard him swear once <laughs> never the he's most heard I've, swear yeah the, the most I've heard him say he goes oh for god's sake oh for goodness sake that's it and I kind of feel oh, no. bad because I always effing blind at him when I'm in pain <laughs> I know. I think he's got a thick skin now. It's not It's not directed at him, really. No. And you've obviously said that you feel better about yourself mentally and physically now than you did when you were 25. So mm. what has that impact been? What's that fitness journey been for you? It's not even about, for me, the weight loss or anything. Mm. It was it's just knowing what your body's capable of. I think once you have the appreciation for your body and your mind, you kind of feel, for me, I felt like unstoppable with anything. Um. And it kind of gives, it kind of gave me a thicker skin in regards to like, I mean, it's, it's going to sound really awful, but like, for example, trolls online or whatever, mm. for me to be affected by it, I have to like give a shit of their opinion. And I don't because I don't know them. So yeah, before I was training, I probably would have t- taken those opinions on board, but it's kind of like giving me an armor whereby you just feel great. I feel more tired and more lethargic and like, oh, on the days I've not trained Mm. and I don't do weight training every day, but I like to do something every day. Like on a rest day, it's just an active recovery. So I'll do a longer walk with the dogs Mm -hmm. or just do a little light cycle on the bike. And that is just something. And I just feel it's the factor in everything else in my life because I'm strong in the gym and I've got a clear mind and I love a good sweat in the gym it allows me to be the best mom I can be, the best partner, the best business partner and employee. I think it, it filters. It's, it's like the whole, the, the family is that you've got the roots of the tree for your family. You flip it upside down and everything going into the bark is from, for me, from the gym. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like my therapy. That's such a great analogy. And it's true. I mean, I, when I started training at UP fitness I trained before that but lots of running and all kinds of Mm. stuff and I've always been um sporty I was really mentally depleted when I started there and I did it for my mind in actual fact and to be around very positive people but as you say just getting stronger and seeing what your body can do and your shape changing and even I felt so much more resilient and able to cut certain things and people out of my life as a result of that and I've never looked back you do and it's I remember like Steve sometimes puts weights in front of you and you say, I can't do that. And you'll do the reps and then I'll go around going, I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. And it's kind of, it goes back to that belief when you get a challenge in front of you, it's given you the confidence to think, well, I've done that an hour ago in the gym. Surely I can do this. And I think when your body because just becomes so much more supple and getting out of bed's easier in the morning. And I mean, it's not like I'm bouncing around like Bambi every day, but I can get on my hands and knees and crawl around with Mia and throw her in the air and stuff. And I want to be able to do that for as long as I can. And then hopefully one day do it with my grandkids as well. You know, I don't want to be a nana or granddad who's, you know, my nana, bless her. She was towards the end of her life. She was kind of stuck in a chair all day. She was in a home and I wouldn't want that. Whereas Mia's granddad now, my stepdad, Peter, he played football all his life. So he's still very active So even like yesterday, he's 
He's nearly 70, but he's still running around with her like he's in his 40s, which I think is great. Yeah. So you've just launched two new books recently, and I know that you talk about the importance of a holistic approach towards health and fitness. So it's not just about lifting weights and exercising. It's also about the nutrition and hydration. No, it's kind of like, um, it was an analogy I saw. It was one of Jason Vales and you kind of, it's dead simple. He used a goldfish in a, in a goldfish bowl. He basically said, if you've got clean water in a goldfish bowl and you start putting loads of toxins in it, like bad food, loads of alcohol, cigarettes, the water is going to get contaminated and the fish will get sick. And he said, and nowadays so many people are quick to write, let's give the fish loads of medicine, give it even more medicine, more medicine. And the simple thing to do rather than do all that, he said, why don't you just clear the water in which the fish is living in? That really made sense to me. It's kind of like, rather than trying to treat a symptom, the root of it is a bad diet, bad nutrition. It's like so many people who buy these really, really expensive face creams to combat acne because they've seen it on an advert when if they just eat a lot more nutrient based foods and water and the skin are probably clear itself anyway I'm not saying I'm anti-medicine at all you absolutely must contact doctors for things and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the hospital when I had Mia so I'm very much you know seek medical advice when it's needed but I'm also very much try and do your best your end as well um so you can like meet in the middle like if I've got a sore throat I gargle with salt water I'll have my honey and lemon if that doesn't clear up which it normally does then I'll seek to start, you know, looking at my medicines and stuff. But I'm just, you know, all your body wants to do is heal. That's all it wants to do. When you cut your finger, it starts clotting because it wants to heal. So I think, why would you go against that by filling it with a load of crap? Mm. Or why would you make that job harder for it? If you can eat well and keep hydrated and keep moving, you're doing everything you can your end so that if, God forbid, touch wood, it doesn't, but you are in a situation where you need to recover and you need to get healthy quick it's not as long a fight or it's not a harder fight when I had my emergency c-section with Mia the first thing I did when I came home I said I want to, I'm going to get on my nutrition because my body needs to heal I was on loads of medication for my pain scar in the scar and stuff mm-hmm. so I was like right probiotic everything because my gut's going to be in pieces and I was on my feet a lot quicker than I assumed and I do put that down to the fact I mean, I wasn't training at all. I could hardly move, but I was just fueling my body with so much fruit and veg and just good foods. And it mentally made me feel good as well. Even though I was walking around like a T-Rex, I still I still <laughs> didn't feel like, oh, this is it now. I was like, well, I'm getting there, you know, mm. slowly. So it just, it's everything. It just makes you feel good, definitely. You should always just try and... And it annoys me when people, they'll be so specific with calories like... I remember once I was on holiday and we went into a restaurant, me and my friends, it was with the girls and she had a a little breakfast bar because it was only like 57 calories. And I said, you can get a massive salad. I said, you've got your avocado, you've got so many greens in there and your fats. And she said, no, because it's about 400 and odd calories in there. And it's the whole kind of Mm. people are overfed and undernourished. You know, the kind of, they're going for a low calorie food, but there's got no goodness in it. And that's going to give you a headache and make you crash and make you reach for more foods when you can have a massive big meal. It's upsetting that it's so controlling for some people and some people will deprive themselves so much in fear of numbers. 
And that's why with my book, it's it's not about a number on the scale. It's about you feeling your, your best version of you. And it'll be different to mine. It'll be different to yours. But that's what's unique about it is that it's you and only you. Yeah. I think obviously, you know, after the past 12 months as well, some people have got massively into health and fitness and some people have completely they've let it all go and mm. neither's right or wrong because that's how people have dealt with the pandemic. But yeah, for those people who potentially are struggling to get back into regime or to feel good about themselves, just those small steps. And it's about educating yourself, I suppose, isn't it? Yes. Again, it's about knowing your worth and knowing you deserve mm. to feel your best. No one deserves to feel rubbish all the time. If it's something you can do by making a few small, simple changes, I mean, I'm not saying never eat junk again. I mean, I love a chippy tea and I love a pizza. I admit I ate a lot of Mia's Easter eggs when she was asleep over <laughs> Easter. <laughs> um, so, I'm, you know, I'm all for that. But it's about moderation. It's, it's knowing that a Mars bar and bag of crisps every day isn't going to do you good. But a Mars bar and a bag of crisps in the office on a Friday, you know, it's fine. Mm. Um, and, and that's how I've juggled it in that I do... 80% what my body needs and 20% what I want. And obviously, especially for women at certain times, you want sweet stuff more than others. Mm. And the whole scale thing, just, I think it terrifies people. You know, one thing when I started training with Steve is my weight was started going up and mm. I was like, why am I getting heavier? We're training. He said, cause you're gaining muscle. It's like, you're getting stronger. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, I am. I am getting stronger. And that's why the scales were heavier. It wasn't because I was getting fat or unhealthy or like my, my muscles were growing. And then I started thinking, yes, I want, I'm, I'm 72 kilograms this week. Yes. You know, it was that kind of thing. And it had a complete reverse effect on me. It was brilliant. But we've been programmed as women, haven't we, to keep your weight down and about mm. losing weight and not understanding how your body works you promote a very healthy image, like no makeup, you come as you are, but there's a massive pressure, isn't there, on a lot of young women. I see my daughter grow up through her teenage years, mm. the pressure to look a certain way, to fit in a certain way, and it just seems to be like very damaging for young women. I and mean, what are your views on that? Because your daughter's going to presumably go see through some of the same pressure. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I get DM'd a lot by companies offering free Botox and lip enhancers and things. Uh, and at first I think, well, do you think I need it? Well, thanks. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of <laughs> yeah, uh, thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I I think if someone wants to do something to make themselves feel better, then I'm all for it. You know, I think it's each to their own and everyone has a right to choose. For me personally, I like the fact that when I smile, I've got little lines because it's a sign of laughing so much. Um, and it's, it baffles me how, you know, sometimes I'll take a picture and I'm the only one smiling, everyone else is pouting. And I think, am I doing something wrong? But then I'm like, no, I've paid for braces. I want to show off my teeth. You know, it's that kind of, <laughs> the whole kind of, um, it seems to be a trend that the pouting at the minute, but I'm hopeful, like with most trends, it'll just kind of go. <laughs> I'm really hoping that'll be the case. Um, I, I remember in school, we used to have our hair scraped back with like the Croydon facelifter called it, with two <laughs> two small, thin pieces of hair at the front. Oh God, yeah. And that was a fit. And I'm hoping the lip fillers <laughs> and everything like that will be the same. I was reading, once you start Botox, you have to carry on. Apparently, it's not like a lip filler where you can just let them dissolve. Apparently, you, you have to continue. Right. And again, one of my best friends, she's all about the Botox and lip fillers. She's like, oh, babes, I have to have it. I look hanging without it. I'm, You know, I need it. 
And I think she's happy and it works for her. So that's fine. But I wouldn't want Mia to think that was her her way of fitting in or her way of feeling good about herself. Yeah. I'd want her to know she was good enough anyway. And if there's someone who's got a problem with the fact that she's got lines on her forehead or this and that, then it's their problem. It's like you say, it's their shit, not yours. Exactly. You know, I've had girls DM me, oh, you're so old now. Oh, you're just nice. old now. And I think, well, I hope one day you get old. You know, it's an age is a privilege denied to so many. And yes. I'm 36. I hope, I hope I'm 86 and I'm still getting people saying you're old now. I think, good, hopefully one day you will be, if you're lucky enough, <laughs> if you're lucky, exactly. you too will get to be old age. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh. there seems to be a certain fear in getting older. And for me, it's a, a fear, like the alternative is dying. <laughs> the alternative to getting older is not being here. So every single birthday, I'm so grateful that I've, I've had another year under my belt. And I think, yes, another year done. What's this year got in store? That's genuinely how I look at it. Yeah, and I'm the same. And every single morning that I wake up and I can walk, I think I yeah. the day. Yeah. Although I can't walk after I've been with, with, Not uh, with Steve. Steve in the gym the day before. No. <laughs> I've got to ask you about Strictly because my mum will kill me. She's oh. <laughs> obsessed ballroom dancer. And I remember the day that we were at UP and you just got the call from the agent yes. to say that you had the opportunity and you were figuring out whether you should go for it. And then... Thank God you did, because obviously there was way more than just a dance competition at Corker. And my little story is that I ended up wearing your dress that you wore for the walls because I was in Strictly Come Dancing for Seashell Trust, which is an amazing charity. I did with Diane Bourne from the Manchester Evening News. And we schlepped it down to Croydon to DSI where they do all the dresses. They're all about size two, most of them. Yes. So Diane and I cried a bit. And then I found your dress, which was stunning. And I wore that for Paso Doble. So it was amazing. One of the best things I've ever done in my life. Um, Yeah, it's good. Gethin was compare and Denise Van Alton was the judge. So it was amazing. But I've danced when I was younger, but out of my comfort zone. And so I just wanted to get your take on that because you came across as a natural. But I mean, how important is it to do things that you're scared of? Oh, so important. I mean, I originally said no to Strictly. I said I didn't want to do it. And Becca was like, why? I said, 15 million people watch that show. I said, I can't walk in heels. I just don't want to do it. (laughs) She was like, okay. And then she came back again and she said, will you just consider it? Because it's just, like you say, it's out of your comfort zone. It could be really good. People can get to see what you're like because you're not playing a role. It's just Mm. yourself. Um. And I went to um, a retreat with my mum and my stepdad, Peter. I had 12 days to make a decision. And we went to a retreat in Portugal. It was um, Jason Vale's juice retreat. And I go there every year. Well, I say I've not been since I've had Mia, obviously. But every time you go, there's always a book left in your room because it's like a health and well-being retreat. So there's always a motivational book left in someone's room. And I walked in my room, put my suitcase on the bed, and it was Oprah Winfrey's book. And I thought, oh, I've not seen this. So I picked it up and I literally just opened middle pages, whatever. And all it said on the page was, if you have a chance to sit it out or dance, I hope you choose to dance. Wow. And I looked at it and thought, (sighs) that's a bit weird. That's kind of a bit of a sign. So I I texted my agent and I said, I'll do it, but don't contact me again because I'll change my mind. Just just sign me up. And I turned my phone off for a week and that was it. And I was doing it and... Like you say, it was so much more. I met Gorka, we we were engaged, we've got Mia. And that whole pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, 
like you say about the dresses, everyone's a size two. I was the only contestant who put weight on in Strictly because I wasn't training, <laughs> but I was just eating and eating and eating. And it was just such a fun experience. The whole, you know, there's no more pressure than being put doing something you've never done before in front of a live audience and 15 million people watching at home who then all have access to a, a phone to send you direct messages of what they really thought of your dance. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, oh my gosh. So as far as the confidence boost goes, it's brilliant. And I, I say to all my mates who, who are asked to do it, I say, you have to do it. I, I don't understand anyone turning it down now because it's the best job, genuinely. Everyone should do Strictly. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad I have. And I'm trying to sign up for some. I'm just like putting myself out there. If anybody wants anyone to dance for a charity, I'm, I'm you'll do that dress again. <laughs> I think the dress helps a lot. Right, leads on to quick fire round. So, first of all, favourite dog walk in Greater Manchester? Oh, gosh, there's so many. I love Burr's Country Park, which is in Bury near me. I love the Worsley Woods. Mm. That's a great, a great dog walk. Mm. And just even just walking around Manchester City Centre, you can take your dogs anywhere now. There's yeah. so many dog-friendly cafes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So near the wharf, near where we work, up and down the canal, I think that's nice as well. You can stop yeah. and have a beer on the way around. And you're obviously president of Bleak Holt. Yes. Thanks. My mum used to do loads of fundraising for them. So Bleak Holt's Aww. got a big place in our heart, actually. Yeah. So favourite Manchester band or artist to work out to? I love Oasis. I mean, yeah. I know that's the typical answer, <laughs> but I do. Um, I just wish they'd did make up and get another album out for us all <laughs> ever gonna happen <laughs> no probably not. I thought I thought they might I thought that the, the pandemic might make it happen but it's not okay so big question what do you order at the chippy for me it's probably just chips gravy and a buttered muffin I always <laughs> have a buttered muffin on the side I'm veggie now but obviously used to just be fish and chips and curry sauce randomly yeah. I used to like curry on my fish which a Absolutely. few people were grossed out by <laughs> there's a real debate about the muffin or the balm cake though so you're definitely on the muffin I'm side the muffin, aren't you yeah. from, the, from Berry. yeah um describe mancunians in three words loyal fun and fearless oh i love that that's so true and also i need to know which manchester supermarket do you go to in your pajamas <laughs> oh i've been to all of them <laughs> we've got um the, lo- the local one to us, well, we used to be in Asda, it's a Morrison's now. But I tell you, I go, I go in, not in my pyjamas, but I go in the, uh, there's a Sainsbury's one near work um, that I go in quite a lot. And I, th- I think they're sick of seeing me, but I go in on a Friday because we have Friday treats in the office and I always forget to bring mine in. So I stop off at Sainsbury's and, they, you know, save myself and go in there, go in there. But again, it's the thing, I, I, I love the supermarkets in town because everyone just gives each other a little nod. No. You know, even though it's all it's so boring and scruffy, but everyone just you're standing in the queue and you'll get a all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't get that in London, do you? No one even looks at you in London. And the, the, the supermarkets in town have become our local shops, haven't they? Now I think yeah. I really love the fact that everyone goes and does the the weekly shop in town. So just last question. Obviously, you've done a load of legacy work already, and you've done so much of charity. And your Twitter feed is literally reposting people's dogs who've gone missing and calling mm. out animal cruelty. And you've clearly got a massive heart. So as I say, you're leaving that legacy, but is there anything that you would potentially want to do in the future that you've not yet got to? There is a lot of stuff I'd I'd like to do. It's kind of just, it sounds really boring, just more of the, the charity stuff, anything. Mm. I'm really passionate about animal charities because I just think, obviously they ain't got a voice animal, so you have to be theirs. And I think if I can teach Mia 
to be compassionate and get her involved somehow. I mean, she's already like a little mini David Attenborough. But I would love, when as far as work goes, I'm, I'm doing a bit of the presenting now with, with Steph's Pat Lunch, which I love. Yeah. I would love to do that, but maybe about a wildlife show or I get to go around South Africa and, you know, look at the top five, you know, things like that. That'd be amazing. If I can combine the, my love of animals and the passion I've got with working on the telly and combine them somehow, um, hopefully that you might see me on Country File one day. I'd give oh, that a whirl say, as well. Yes, <laughs> I'd love that. Or <laughs> further afield. Yeah. Well, good luck. And thank you so much for joining me. I know how busy you are. Oh, um, no worries. And- Thanks for having me. It's great that you use your platform for people who haven't got a voice, including dogs. And well, you're the embodiment, I think, of what a Manx's all about. So oh, thanks Lisa. so much for joining me. And hopefully I'll see you in Sainsbury's in your pyjamas yes. at some point. Sainsbury's or UP. <laughs> or UP. <laughs> thanks, Gemma. Thank you. Gemma Atkinson has helped to build the city by remembering where she's come from, by learning how not to be in pieces when everyone else is at peace and by not sitting it out and choosing to dance. We Build This City is out every Thursday when you'll hear from another incredible Greater Mancunian. If you want to find out more about how you can work with us at Roland Ransfield to improve your relationships, build your values and leave a legacy, then head to rdpr.co.uk or give us a call on the number we've had for the past 25 years, 0161. 236 Thank you and see you next time.